Hello and welcome to the Pretty Little Riverdales podcast. We are back. I am C. Talene and I am joined by the lovely Skeskali. Hey, everybody. Say hey, girl. Hey, y'all. <laughs> so this is our second week with just the two of us, but just you know what? Two of us. I we can make it. Girl, I was gonna sing it, but I I couldn't I couldn't bring myself <laughs> to it. But I love that song. I love the OG version of that too. song, not the not the Will Smith remake. But it is that was a cute video with him and his son. Yeah, I think it was Trey. I think Trey was, was it Trey. Way. I think it was it. Yeah, Trey I would have had Jayden. to be because I don't think Jaden would have been old enough. Mm-mm. I think it had to have been Trey. So, um, but we are back. We are back. And I guess the new format, people are liking it. We got um, some feedback through the Twitterverse that, you know, folks like the podcast. So that's always nice to hear. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So we are on um, chapter nine of Riverdale. And so we need to check in with our, our lovely teens and their parents and see what's going on this week. Um, so this week we are seeing some of the fallout from Alice throwing out Hal and Polly leaving home and choosing to go live with the Blossoms. So um, let's let's talk about Alice first. This her big idea is that she's going to do an expose on the Blossoms. Mm-hmm. She's going to reveal everything about them. It's kind of a no holds barred. You've got my baby. I'm a mama bear and I'm coming <laughs> after you type of a feel. That dingo <laughs> ain't my baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, exactly that. So, so what are we thinking about this expose idea? Um, she, she's sort of like, She's not as bad as Archie in that having where bad ideas just end up blowing up in somebody's face. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that Riverdale is asking us to suspend a whole lot of disbelief that um, someone who, I guess she was one of the co-owners of the Riverdale record or whatever, the the register, whatever the newspaper Mm -hmm. is called. Mm -hmm. But they're asking us to suspend a lot of disbelief if they think that this almost 50-year-old woman is going to go write for the high school newspaper. I know. I was like, did they just say what I think they said? <laughs> They're just going to, she just come write for the school paper. Hello, there's a school board. You can't just hire people. Are they going to hide the murder board that has her name and her husband's name on it, I wonder? <laughs> she probably has her own murder board like on her phone, really, when you think about it. <laughs> Okay, what, one of the epic scenes is, you know, she's written this article. She goes to the register to see Hal and says, basically, I want you to run this article. And he says, no, he's locked her out of the system. And they're kind of having a really, this really dirty fight in front of Betty, um, which ends up with Alice 
throwing a brick through the wall. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, I think this is really one of the first times we've. No, last week we saw Alice completely losing control. Yeah, she was but in front of everything last week. Yeah, but in front of Betty, and it made me feel like this is maybe this is the norm with them fighting like this, maybe behind closed doors in front of their kids, because there was this short scene last week when um, Betty was telling Polly that dad is leaving. You can come home that maybe it was more than him just offering her an appointment. Maybe it's more that her, the parents have consistently been nasty in front of them. And this is maybe the first time that the writers are showing it to us. I don't know. That was just the feeling I was getting. Yeah, something is definitely rotten in that relationship. And, you know, there's lots of, we've said pretty much from the time that we started doing the podcast that the parents in Riverdale um, are not exactly the best examples for their children. Um, You know, all all of the parents on Riverdale are, whether they're married or, you know, seemingly intact, um, are, are people who are in relationships that are rapidly falling apart if they haven't fallen apart already. And so now I just think it's, it's Hal and uh, Alice's turn. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the healthiest marriage relationship seems to be Clifford and Penelope. And that's saying something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because as you're, I'm thinking, who's together? Who are we seeing? I mean, at least they have like a common purpose and they seem to be working together yeah they're bound they're They're bonded in evil (laughs) uh yeah they are um (laughs) but you know speaking of moral compass i was i wrote down veronica is the moral compass of this show right now she's the one she's the one like encouraging her mom to tell fred about the business deal about the land um she, uh, Hermione reveals, or Veronica reveals, that she didn't tell Hiram about their relationship. Mm-hmm. So she did keep her word to her mom that she wouldn't tell. Um, she has this big um, crisis about Ethel Muggs. She reveals that she's trying to be a better person. She's trying to do the right things. And I see her trying to encourage people to do the right thing. Um but I also More see her trying than, to buy friendship, and I don't know yeah, what that's about. I didn't like, like that. Um, you know, having uh, Ethel come over, and they're going to have you know makeovers or, or whatever, and they're going to have lunch. Um, her giving all and Ethel a whole bunch of stuff from her closet that won't fit Ethel, if you really think about it. Um, and Mm-mm. I mean, I just wonder what's happened in her life. Um, you know, there was a thing with the, the Manny Petty's Betty at the early on in the season two. What's happened in Veronica's life um, that makes her feel like she needs to buy her friends? And it, I think it has to be something that's deeper than the, her being a former bully when she was in New York. And mm-hmm. she was talking about the girl at their school who they made drink gutter water. But I'm, it makes Ew. me wonder. So it's like on the one hand, I sort of agree with your um, idea that she is trying to be the moral center of the series. Um, but, you know, her morality, much like everybody else's morality, is kind of shaky on this show. So, you know, I'm not really sure, um, you know, what the what they're trying to do with her there. Well, I think she's like a baby infant moral person mm. <laughs> because um, in the flashback at the beginning of the episode, they kind of showed her talking to Betty saying, you know, I was, I 
I promised myself I'd be a different person. Mm -hmm. So, and if what she's been seeing, what she's been exposed to is her dad doing shady deals, which they are leading us to believe by saying she would have to testify against her dad. And I don't think you can compel a minor to testify against their parent. I don't I'm think not you can. sure about that. Yeah, that's, that's but, a good question. But, you know, that was something she was talking about. So, obviously, she's been privy to shadiness from her father. And I also don't think she's had the experience of having true friendships before. So, probably the only way she knows how to interact with a friend or what to do when someone's upset with you is to buy them. Yes. But I definitely I definitely agree those like like I was going through my closet and I thought she could have my cast offs. There's no way she could even wear that mink stole she put around herself. She could basically wear the fascinator and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I did I did like that fascinator though. But um you know, my problem with the whole Ethel Veronica thing. Like I thought it was, I thought it, I like that the writers at the end of their little stories, Ethel is like, I still accept you, Veronica. You are not your parent. We can still be friends. I thought that was a nice message to put Mm -hmm. forth, but the scene in the hospital was so Veronica's decision to tell Ethel and her mom this big reveal at that moment was just so selfish. And I don't know if it's just naivete or I don't know, but there's no, there was no point for Veronica in that moment to say, my dad is Hiram Lodge. We're the reason that your life is in shambles. Basically like, I mean, she's no, you go ahead. She just seems so her face looked like she was surprised that, um, Mrs. Muggs reacted that way. And I can't think of what other reaction she was expecting from them. Um, it just seems like she made it all about her feelings. For sure. Um, and I think that that's something that is pretty common to most of the characters on this show. I think, I think Veronica is sort of motivated by um, this feeling that, um, you know, nobody can touch her father, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. um, they can send him away, but I mean, he's already shown that he can do things from within the walls of a prison. Um, And so because he seems somewhat uh, untouchable, maybe Veronica feels like um, by, you know, she can make amends by making herself, by prostrating herself in front of all of the people that her father has wronged. So I I mean, I think I know that, I, I think I, I think she knew what she was doing um, and when she revealed herself to Mrs. Muggs, um, wasn't really an reveal to Ethel because you would think that if they're in high school together in the same classes that she would know what Veronica's last name was. But I think that she thought that um, she probably deserved that dirty look and she deserved that reaction from Mrs. Muggs. And, it's, and, and you're right, she did have a look of surprise on her face. Um, But it's almost like she was surprised that the reaction wasn't worse. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think Veronica is feeling very, very guilty for something that she, I don't want to say that she has nothing to do with because we honestly don't know what the show has up its sleeve for the next two or maybe three episodes. Um, But I think Veronica is feeling very, very guilty. And I think that she feels like she, if she's going to be in this town for a while, um, that she needs to... Um, lay all of her dirty laundry out there. She needs to be as honest as she possibly can about who mm-hmm. her family is, what her family has done, um, so that she can be 
if not create her own Veronica and create a different version of Veronica that's independent from her name, she can at least try to do what her mother's trying to do on the business end of things. Whereas her mom, Hermione, is trying to go legit and only have legitimate business from now on. Veronica is trying to show that, you know, just because I'm a lodge um, and just because my, my father has done these horrible things, um, I'm, an, I'm a much nicer person that, and I can get above, I can rise above, you know, the 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 stigma of the name that I was born with. I think that's I agree with that. Um, especially you know the scene um, when she runs to the bathroom and she rips off her pearls. Mm-hmm. Um, that seemed like a, the symbolism of okay, I'm completely tearing myself away from protecting my dad. I'm going to be my own person, just like you said. Yeah, I, it was um, a very strong, I, I can't be bought anymore sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she did talk about the fact that her dad would always buy her something when he did something wrong. Exactly. So I guess there, that's where she learned that. So when, my, when someone does something wrong, you, you have to buy them something. So that is what she's been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, res- I really respect that about Veronica, that she is actively trying to change herself. Um, especially if she's supposed to be a 15 year old girl, right? You know, most 15 year olds aren't that insightful. Um, I'm going to talk about the 14, almost 15 year old I live with. He's not that <laughs> insightful. <laughs> so I, I, I have kudos to her for that. I hope her next change will be that she will start to wear some sensible shoes to school and some dresses because- with sleeves. Yes, because it's winter, obviously. And I was like, girl, you need to put on some sensible shoes. You need to wear Uggs like and Toms like every other 15-year-old girl yeah, when that, in high school. When this episode was filmed, um, Vancouver doesn't usually get a lot of snow. Uh, mm-hmm. We get a lot of snow on the mountains that ring the city. And we get a lot of snow in some of the higher elevations. Um, but we don't normally get a whole lot of snow. So when they were filming, I kept watching the show going, when are they going to get to the snow episodes? When, you know, what is it going to look like when, when I finally see the episodes where we had that huge jump of snow? Um, and so when they were showing, um, when they were showing at the tree tapping ceremony and when they were showing at the, uh, the banquet and when they were showing um, a couple of, there's a couple of other scenes that were like outside and they had all these poor little girls um, outside freezing. Uh, Cheryl not getting the opportunity to wear any tights. It was not just cold. It was a, it wasn't super cold because it was like a heavy wet snow um, because it had been raining for days beforehand and then all of a sudden this cold front came through so it was like a real heavy wet snow that really only felt cold because it came along with rain and I just felt so sorry for them because that was a horrible 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 period to to have to film in and to to have to walk around and um like they had Cheryl out by the I guess I don't know if she was by the pool or she was just outside on the back on the back deck or whatever Uh, but you know to stand out there and to have to walk around in all of that stuff in those stiletto heels you know and it was just I felt really bad for them and it is winter and why can't they let these these children although they're not really children but why can't they let these young ladies you know um, wear coats. They had Victoria, not Victoria, they had Veronica in a cape. 
um, at the very first episode of the show, which was filmed back in September, and it was still mm-hmm. pretty warm. So they had her in a cape when it was warm, but when it's actually cold and snowy, we only see her in the cape inside the the hospital. So I don't. It's it's just one of those little continuity things that we've talked about before. That when you think about the context in which the show is filmed, um, and it's really hard sometimes to separate the world of the show from the actual world of what's going on outside, because I just feel so sorry for these young actresses that they have to walk around like this. I think it's so cool that you actually live where they film it so you can have like this insider point of view. So I, one of the things I wanted to ask you, like when I was watching the episode, I'm like, I have to ask Skeskali about this here. We do um, my daughter's a girl scout and every year they do a maple syrup um excursion where they go to like the maple farm and they watch them tapping the trees and they get maple candy blah 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 i thought that spring was the time that you did maple tapping do you normally tap it in winter um i honestly don't know i could probably look that up and find out and bc british columbia where we are um Mm -hmm. really i mean they have maple syrup producers here um but it's not really known for his maple syrup. Most of the maple syrup in Canada comes from Eastern Canada, like uh, mm-hmm. in Ontario and Atlantic Canada and places like that. So you have Ontario, you have Quebec, you might have um, like Newfoundland, not New- maybe not Newfoundland, I don't know, but mostly in Eastern Canada, not here in BC. So the, I, I guess they probably just shot that at some local maple producing farm that maybe let them just choose one tree them to tap or it could have just been you know a trick tree it could have just been it was a trick it was a trick because maple syrup does not flow out like you just turn on the tap of yeah. the water that was like completely fake to me and the, I mean I'm only going by what I've experienced going to a tree farm and seeing them actually tapping and no you know just but I'm not in Canada we're right you know I don't know if it's an environmental thing or or what but okay Let's just leave this alone. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the website of, of a maple farm that's here in Vancouver. They're in, they're on the North Shore. They're in a, mm-hmm. in a town called North Vancouver. Um, they are they are open for the spring, but it doesn't say you know anything about actually you know tapping the trees or anything like that. So um, who knows? I just you know it was just kind of weird and a news part of living in British Columbia that I had never even thought about because maple syrup Mm -hmm. is an Atlantic thing. So, Yeah, it was kind of gross when they were drinking that maple syrup. But anyway, (laughs) that was another thing. I'm like, I didn't think I thought it had to be boiled or prepared or something before it was actually ready for it. it, Yeah, it does. That's part of what the, the whole process is. They have to boil it. They have to get all the impurities out of it. And it takes you have to get a lot of the sap from the tree in order to boil it down to even make the syrup. Yeah. So it was interesting. They had it in casks like wine, too. I was like, you guys are so crazy on this show. <laughs> but <laughs> but since we're talking about the blossoms, let's talk about the grooming of Archie Andrews. Um, so this was another kind of Archie-centric episode um this week i guess the writers decided hey archie's a main character in the comics maybe we should make him a focus of some episodes (laughs) so we have um 
Archie is being groomed by the Blossoms. It's their annual tree tapping ceremony. And the Blossoms are feeling some pressure from their board members after the death of Jason Blossom. And the board members, um, according to the Blossoms, don't necessarily want Cheryl to be at the helm of the company because she's um, inconsistent, flighty, emotional, any a number of reasons. I don't know why they're she doesn't concerned have a penis. about this right now. It's basically, basically that she doesn't have a penis. Yeah. Basically, basically. <laughs> so um, we first see Cheryl inviting Archie to the tree tapping ceremony. And then we see Penelope grooming Archie. Um, I actually, that that scene when they're in the hallway and Penelope is talking to Archie and I tweeted, why is Penelope looking at Archie like her name is Geraldine? It was, <laughs> it, it was so creepy and off-putting to me. Um, so It just fit with the whole part. flowers of the attic nature of the Blossom family. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, you know, it, it totally does. Yeah. So it's just, I, I feel so, like, I, I was telling you a little while ago that I, I was so excited for this show, and um, I had a lot of hope for this show, but, like, with every passing week, I'm just like, Lord, just let it get me over. Uh, and I was like that a lot with all the stuff with the Blossoms and, like, the grooming of Archie Andrews. Um, I loved that Jughead called him out as a gigolo. Um, I, Ooh, I yes. love, I love that, you know, um, Valerie called him out about him selling himself and Archie, you know, we have, we have said several times over the cast, over the course of recording these podcasts that Archie has a very, very slippery morality, slippery morality. Um, we have said that, you know, he's, he expects faithfulness, um, and devotion from his friends, but he doesn't often extend uh, he doesn't often extend that kind of faithfulness or of devotion to his friends. Uh, and with this episode, Archie has basically said in no uncertain terms that he's okay with sort of whoring himself out, as he said mm -hmm. to Valerie, it's just for one day or so he thinks. If he thinks that he's going to get something as a result, um, and that's just kind of, Again, I don't know if it's because I have forgotten what it's like to be a teenager um, who really, really wants something and doesn't understand or doesn't know or have the wherewithal to figure out how to get what it is um, that I really, really want without compromising myself. But Archie is just like the, 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 he just has no qualms about putting himself in these compromising situations um, for the, you know, to, to benefit his so-called music career. And it's like, I want Mr. Castillo to come back and say, son, <laughs> look, no, you know, you're not that good. And if you have to rely on all of these people and their largesse, so to speak, um, to get you where you need to be, then maybe you really need to think about your talent. And maybe you need to think about what you're actually going to focus on. Maybe your, your challenge or maybe the thing that you should be focusing on as a quote unquote artist is actually getting good enough that you don't need these kind of shady backhanded benefits for people to get ahead, that you're going to get ahead on your own merits. And somebody needs need to be able to tell Archie that because I mean you know there's only like two episodes or maybe three episodes of the show left but if he keeps on this way um you know Archie is just going to become the epitome of white male privilege and feel really really entitled to everything in his life because you know and he just he has no he has no problems with just selling away parts of himself 
to, you know, benefit, to justify the ends. And it's just, it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you talked about Archie as a St. Bernard last week. Yeah. And I, I tweeted you a picture. Of- <laughs> that was great. <laughs> So I tweeted you a picture of a St. Bernard and I said, um, Archie's coming to save the day. So <laughs> when you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, how a dog will just follow you if you just put a tweet, a treat in front of it. Mm-hmm. it, it doesn't care as long as they think they're going to get that treat. They'll, you know, sit down, they'll jump up, they'll do whatever because they want the treat so bad. Yeah. And that is, you know, Archie would be continuing with the St. Bernard analogy. That is completely what he's like. You know, it, it starts out, he wants to go to the um, the school, the music school, and then it turns into, oh, well, maybe I can help my dad out, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, you get sick of Archie and then he's like, okay, I really want to help my dad out. And then, okay, I'm really helping out Betty by finding out about Polly for them. So he is really good at justifying his actions. And I'm and helping I think Cheryl, that, you know look better in the eyes of the people on the board and exactly jumping to her defense. So I can see how he's convincing himself that what he's doing is right. But when everyone around you is telling you something is wrong, the fact that he thinks he knows better than like the wisdom of his father, um, the loyalty of his friend Jughead, um, the relationship he's in with Valerie, just to like discount all those opinions. It's just, I don't know. Is it hubris? I don't know. Yeah. That's, um, it's, hard, it's hard to say. He's, he's just a, dis, he's a disappointing character. He is, he is. We're going to, we're going to have a um, section where we rant about this show. So I don't want to get deep too deeply <laughs> into my feelings about Archie so I can save it for that. Okay. I do want to point out one thing about the grooming of Archie Andrews. Um, when Cheryl comes to the house to deliver the guitar, did you catch what she said to Fred Andrews? Looking especially dilfy? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like... Who says that to an adult man? <laughs> I mean, like... on, on the one hand, it was kind of refreshing because um, usually comments like that mm. are, A, it's usually MILF, not DILF. Um, and mm-hmm. B, they usually come for teenage boys. So, you yes. know, I guess if you're going to be despicable, and we've already kind of established that Cheryl is kind of despicable, but it was kind of refreshing to see that come from the mouth of a female character instead of a male character. So I kind of let that one slide. Yeah, it was like I didn't catch it at first and I was on Twitter and um, I don't usually follow the Riverdale hashtag, but sometimes I'll check in and they said and someone tweeted, did she just say Dilfy? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she just did. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it was hilarious. But let's move on. I don't let's know. Maybe on. they're just so, kind of hard up for like hunky adult males because I mean, let's let's take stock of the adult male characters. Mm-hmm. We have we have Fred, um, we have Hal, who um, you know, as in, in the words of his wife, is is a milk toast. Um, yes. We have uh, we have uh, what is his name, Mister Blossom? What is his first name? Clifford. Clifford. Clifford and his wig, which yeah, I am never going it. to. Who I'm never going to let that one go. Um, and <laughs> so it's like, um, and we've got Mister Weatherby, we've got Coach. 
um, Coach Clayton, who we never see, got no, caught. No, we're not going to see him um, again. But, like, you know, if, if those are the options of, like, hunky adult Wait a males, minute, wait a minute, wait somebody? a minute. FP, honey. Okay. FP. FP looks good. Well, he's the only if one. You like, <laughs> if you like a dirty, hunky um, gang leader... He is the man for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. But I don't see Cheryl going after somebody like that. I mean, Mr. Mr. Andrews just sort of, he works with his hands and he's got his own business. So, you know, she might be able to look at that as a sort of like, that's the just, that's the right amount of doing dirt that Cheryl can handle. Like FP is, 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 is a bridge too far, I think. <laughs> no, no. Oh no, she couldn't. The f- and when she said she had, she was claustrophobic. She's not used to being in a house. <laughs> so small. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. She had I a lot of good it. lines this week. She called Jughead. What did she say to him? That was a joke, you she, hobo. She called him a hobo. <laughs> I was like, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So um, I had written down the breakups. You know, we had some breakups this week. Um, we had the continuation of the breakup between Hal and Alice. I don't think there's any coming back from where they are. Um, you mentioned Valerie and Archie mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, Valerie said, Mm-mm, I'm done. Um, and we had Fred and Hermione's breakup mm-hmm. along with what I'm also calling Archie and Cheryl, you know, this kind of breakup. So I don't think what Archie were you and thinking? Cheryl are finished yet though? Like, uh, not according to Cheryl. No, I mean, it's going, it'll, it, it's obviously heading towards some sort of, uh, maybe not boiling a bunny, but some fatal attraction inspired kind of resolution. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, in Cheryl's mind, it's it's less about a breakup than um, her her opportunity to to avenge herself or to avenge, you know, or to just to ruin the person that has hurt her. Um, and yeah. because they're doing so much on the show to draw parallels between Jason and Archie um, with everything, what Clifford said about, you know, the, 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 the clean image that he brings to the Blossom family with Penelope, you know, stroking his hair and looking at him longingly and all of this other kind of stuff um, with all of the stuff that they're putting in toward the, the, the redemption or the, the grooming of Archie as, you know, sort of a, a Jason Blossom, I don't know. He's like not a template. What's the word I'm looking for? Like he's they're they're setting him up to be like he's a stand-in for Jason. Mm-hmm. And so because um Cheryl was never really able to properly mourn her brother or to really even get mad at him, um, you know, for leaving her for Polly uh, or wanting to run away from home for, for Polly's benefit. Um, she's feeling doubly hurt. And so, you know, she's probably even seeing Archie as kind of a proto Jason as a, in a way. Um, so it's her opportunity not only to get back at Archie, but to strike back at Jason in some ways too. I agree. Um, I want to talk about this more when we get to um, who did it, who killed Jason Blossom, because that whole, the whole Archie with the Blossoms thing really brought up a lot of thoughts for me regarding who might have killed Jason. Mm. Um, The whole um, 
we haven't talked a lot about Fred and Hermione. So Hermione tells Fred that um, Hiram owns the land and Fred is, you know, pretty upset for Fred about this, that he's kind of a pawn between this war between Clifford Blossom and Hiram Lodge over this land. And um, their last interaction, Hermione tells him that she's going to sell the land. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be a part of it. And Fred comes back, no, don't sell the land. I'm going to stick with this, but you're going to give me 20% mm-hmm. of a 20% stake in this property. Uh, I was, you know, on one hand, I was surprised. But on the other, I was like, look at Fred having the chutzpah to kind of stand up for himself and to think long term and be a businessman. Fred grew um, do, Yeah, but do we think this is kind of you know, the top of a slippery slope for him with morals with his business, because, you know, the old saying, if you lay down with dogs, you're going to come up with fleas. I don't know. Like, I haven't really thought about it that in, in, to that degree, because I, the whole the whole real estate um, land deals, the maple syrup stuff. It's, it's so boring to me. So I just, I mean, it's there and it's on, I'm not fast forwarding through it, but I always find other things to do when those storylines are on. So I have absolutely no idea what this will mean for Fred. It'll be interesting if he, you know, if he does kind of go toward the dark side a little bit, or maybe he's always had this dark side. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's more there to um, the animosity between him and FP than we were, have been led to believe. Um, but yeah. I just, right now I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, that is okay. That is absolutely fine. Um, so we talked about the, the breakups. Let's talk about the reveals. They kind of revealed some things to us this week to keep the storyline moving. We've talked about Hermione finally revealing to Fred the true owner of the land. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Veronica revealing to Ethel Muggs' family about her dad's role in their life. Um, there were two other big reveals. Polly tells Archie that she is basically put herself undercover. Um, I know last week I was questioning, why would she choose to go to the Blossoms? So she's believing that the Blossoms had something to do with um, Jason's death. So Mm -hmm. she's decided to go undercover um, and she's basically playing a part. Do we think this is going to make Polly more interesting? (laughs) I think it has to because, I mean, you know, one of the things that I noticed this week, um, and I guess that this was just the direction she got, um, Polly was... um, in the previous episodes, she was portrayed as being really, really fragile and Mm -hmm. maybe not all there. Um, But she seemed, um, she had like a single-minded purpose this episode and she seemed pretty clear on what she was doing and she felt she seemed pretty confident in her abilities to get to the heart of the matter, whether that's overconfidence and, you know, she's really going to end up in a worse state is anybody's guess. Um, you know, Grandma Rose is, we didn't see Grandma Rose this week, so we don't know what she's cooking up in in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, we're seeing a different side of Polly. And I think that, you know, with the limited time that we have left, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what kind of changes we'll see from her over the next couple of episodes. So, you know, I'm, I'm backing off of 
my um, assessment of Polly is, or the actress, um, as somebody who, you know, really wasn't that good. Um, she kind of impressed me this week in that she seemed a little bit, um, she seemed a little more fully drawn than she has been. Uh, so mm -hmm. it, it, that's been interesting to see. Yeah, and um, also it was revealed that Polly is indeed having twins. Yes, there is an actual doctor. Because she's finally gone to the doctor, Dr. <laughs> Patel. <laughs> who apparently has a daughter named Tina, who's one of Veronica's sidekicks, apparently. Oh, really? How yeah. do you know this? Uh, reading Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> knowledge is great. Um, I, I've been on Wikipedia too a little bit. But um, yeah, so Polly's actually having twins. I was assuming they hid Grandma Rose because they didn't want the board to see her oh, being true. Yeah. with her dementia and her gypsiness um, and that, that streak of red in her hair. So they just put her up in the attic. They just stuck her up in the attic. Um, what else did I have down here? Um, Veronica Hermione... Oh, the Blossoms. Mm -hmm. Archie overhears um, Clifford Blossom tell Penelope Blossom that he's the reason that Hiram's in jail. So um, that was kind of surprising. So he tells Betty and um, Jughead this bombshell. I don't know if they're going to tell Veronica this. I'm assuming it's going to come out maybe next week. It's going to have to if they're going to be. If they really are going to press forward with this expose, it's going to have to come out. I just, I'm still thrown about the whole expose and Alice actually writing for the paper. Like, is she going to come into the school? Is she just going to write it at home? Are they going to have a Google Doc? I don't oh. know. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I'm Are they all going to have editing capabilities <laughs> on the Google Is she Doc? going to get a byline? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Isn't that sad to go from being part owner of an actual newspaper to having a byline in mm. your local high school newspaper? I, I'm, I'm really hoping that, that, that's, that the people who are into doing all of the details about the show um, and you know, crossing every T and dotting every I will work this out somehow that what will happen instead is that Jughead and Betty will take what Bet what uh, Alice has already written and then mm -hmm. write their own story around it so that Alice doesn't have to get a byline in the school paper. But that would be too much like write. So, you know, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's it's going to be a mess. So um, this week I was when I live tweet um Riverdale, I hardly ever use the Riverdale hashtag and I always use the chocolate shop hashtag. But this week I did venture over into hashtag Riverdale land um, just to see what are the kids talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so a person that I really like um, at my Monique Jones was was um, tweeting and she was saying this show is, is kind of starting to bore me. Um, and I know that we've both said that you know, we like talking about the show, the show more than we like watching it mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes. So let's talk about what's working for us and what's not working for us with this show. What do you think? Um, I just feel like as a long time Archie fan and as someone who's 
fandom was re-energized with, um, you know, the way that they, the changes that they made to the comic over the last few years, I feel like I've kind of been sold a bill of goods. And I, I feel like the show really coasted on the goodwill of the fans, like the true Archie fans. Um, and they coasted on the goodwill of the teens and tweens who would see all the pretty people and want to watch every week. Um, but the numbers, the audience numbers are dwindling. The ratings are bearing that out. And I just feel like somewhere along the way, they got so wrapped up in this idea of creating this really, really complex mystery um, with threads upon threads upon threads that are so deeply intertwined and entangled. Um, but they didn't leave enough time for us to care about any of these people, to care anything about the family feuds that are driving all of this intrigue, um, or to give a good you-know-what about the resolution. Like, at this point, I don't care who killed Jason, and that is the number one mystery of the show. Um, the only thing I have, the only observation I have about, um, who killed Jason is why is Reggie's name on the murder board? Um, yeah, I wonder that too. <laughs> but it's just like the, I kind of feel like at some point they felt like the showrunners felt like we have a 12 episode order. We're going to have a little bit of a break in there. And because we have a 12 episode order, and as you told me um, on Twitter uh, last week, when I was saying that, you know, I didn't think that the murder was going to be uh, wrapped up by the end of this season. You told me that it's supposed to be wrapped up by the end of the season, which is only two more episodes. There's a whole lot of story and a whole lot of loose ends that has been completely forgotten about or completely dropped. Um, and it's going to be, it's hard for me to understand how they're going to be able to tie all of these loose strings together over the next couple of weeks. And I'm not really even sure that I care how they're going to tie these loose ends together over the next couple of weeks. I, you know, I, I know that I'm not their, tar their target demographic, you know, as somebody who is uh, of an advanced age. But I have been defending this show to people who have been telling me, you know, I just don't get it. And it's not very good. Um, Cecily, I don't understand what you like about this show so much. And really, the only thing that I have left to like about it is that I get to talk to you about it once a week, every week. Um, <laughs> so I don't I don't know. How are you feeling about it? Well, I was talking to um, my pal at Jughead Jonesing this week. Um, we were tweeting back and forth, and um, we were both expressing our fatigue with Archie's character. And I said to her that I feel like the writers don't are not Archie fans. That they that they are basically using these characters as just this vehicle for the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. But they don't have a true depth of love for Archie. Um, and I said several weeks ago that if this show wasn't called Riverdale, if these characters didn't have the names of, you know, characters that I love from my childhood, there's no way I would ever tune into this show. No, this Just is definitely, no way. definitely not my kind ever. of thing. Yeah, right. No, it's like, the you know... I think the CW has gotten caught up with this demographic from 
all of these superhero shows that they have going on with um, the supernatural fans, and they're trying to just fit Riverdale into this kind of formulaic shows they have going on on their channel. In the Berlantiverse. Um, Exactly. And when you think about their demographic, Archie fans and teenagers don't really go hand in hand. Like, how many teenagers do you know who are who are avid readers of Archie? Like, my kids read, but I talk to my son. I'm like, are your friends watching Riverdale? And he's like, no. He's only watching Riverdale because he read the Archie comics growing mm-hmm. up and because I'm watching it. No person I know in real life is watching Riverdale <coughs> because my mom was like, are any of your friends listening to your podcast? I'm like, none of my friends even know Riverdale exists. One of my so, coworkers watches it and he felt, um, he was almost kind of chagrined. Like he, he said, is it okay if I, he, he at work, he said, is it okay if I talk to you about Riverdale on Twitter? I'm like, of course it is. And I was just like, why? I, it made me wonder why he would even ask that question in that way. Um, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that he doesn't maybe he he feels some kind of I don't know sheepishness about being into Riverdale or what but it was like he's really the only person that I know other than you um and a couple of people uh, another person that I know locally who's tried it she she's pretty well um sure that she's not going to keep up with it um and a couple Mm -hmm. of other people who are just like completely dismissive of it I don't really know anybody else who watches it so I don't know what's going on No, it's, I don't know. It's, you know, part of it is still, Archie is very problematic to me. And I don't care about, like, I was thinking about this today. Why don't I like this show? It's because I don't care about anyone in this show. I'm not rooting for anyone in this show. Yeah, I think Cheryl's, um, she has great lines. She's a great actress. I like looking at the costuming, um, I think it's shot beautifully. Mm-hmm. I lo- like, I love the scenes this week in the snow. I just thought it was beautiful with the red and the, I'm like, there's so many technical things about the show. I like, but it's just like the story is just flat. I th- I keep thinking about Veronica Mars. So Lily's murdered. They spent a lot of time in that series, making you care about the fact that Lily's dead, Mm -hmm. letting you get to know Lily, letting you get to know why people cared about Lily. So like with Jason, I think the only person who really cared about Jason is Cheryl and Mm -hmm. his parents to some degree. There's no big mourning. There's just like no connection to, you know, why Betty and Jughead are even trying to figure this out so much just I don't know it just falls flat it's very wide but it's not very deep the relationships still it makes total sense the relationships um the relationships between the characters on the show and the relationships between the show and its audience it's all starting to feel really really forced um and um I think I said this last week they're doing a lot of telling, but they're not doing enough showing. Like they're trying to tell mm-hmm. us that these people have these connections and that they have this history, but they, it's because they're, they're running out of time. They haven't had the ability to be able to show us that, that why these things are so meaningful. Um, when you were talking about um, how the show just kind of feels 
very technically proficient. I started thinking about um, what people say about uh, Asian figure skaters. Um, and it's really, really racist. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that I believe this. I just want to be clear about that. But um, I'm sort of a casual figure skating fan. And one of the things that I noticed um, when you hear people talk about figure skaters, uh, especially from Korea for some reason, but pretty much any Asian figure skater who's not an Asian American figure skater, one of the things that you'll hear often is that they're very technical proficient, but t- technically proficient, but they have no passion. And that's what this show reminds me of. All the negative and racist things that people say about Asian figure skaters, that they can get the jumps that they can make all of the moves that they're supposed to make, you know, that are on the checklist that they, that they actually score you for, but where they fall down is the artistic interpretation. And so Mm -hmm. this show, like you, the technical proficiency is very much there. It's beautifully shot. They do have um, a fair, I would give them a decent score on artistic interpretation, but they have no passion and they have no depth and it's, it's really been a casualty for me because I was so, as I said earlier, I was so excited for this show. Um, mm-hmm. But now I just find myself, you know, when Grey's Anatomy goes off, because um, there's that little overlap and I always miss the first few seconds of, of Riverdale because I like to watch it live. But when Grey's Anatomy gets to like the 8.49 minute, you know, it's 8.49 p.m. And I'm thinking, crap, I've got to watch Riverdale. And if that's the reaction I'm having about a show that I ostensibly love, that's not very good. Yeah, it's not. Um, I, I say this on almost every podcast. At the end of the show, I'm tired. I don't want to watch it again. But they have really good previews for next week. Yeah. And Molly Ringwald. Yeah, it's like, ah! <laughs> the most famous redhead ever. So um, I want to watch it because I want to see Molly Ringwald. Mm-hmm. But then when you actually get into the episode, you're like, oh, they showed me all the best parts in the preview. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it doesn't evoke any feeling from me of loyalty or excitement or really caring about characters Um, it just doesn't evoke deep feelings to me. I don't feel connected to these Mm -hmm. kids or these adults at all. Do you think it would have made a difference if they hadn't, if they had, if they had found a less complicated storyline or if they reduced the number of plot threads that they tried to introduce this season, do you think that would have made a difference to how you feel about the show? I think if they had stuck to some of the classic characterizations of the characters, um, because I feel like I don't know these people. Mm. I don't, I don't know these people. I know their names and I see flashes of people I thought I knew, but I don't know these people. Um, and I think that they are banking on the fact that Archie fans are coming and so maybe they don't have to do as much to introduce them to us because we're supposed to know them. I don't mind the murder mystery of it all. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's too much going on. I like a simpler story. Um, I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan. Not much, but but the first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, was a simple story classic clean story Mm -hmm. it was it was just very 
simple, maybe just two storylines. And then years later, they try to shoot the prequels. There's so many characters. There's so many storylines. There's so many threads. I still don't know what was happening in those movies. And I've watched them multiple times. I'm a person who likes it simple and clear. And I can enjoy that. And you can get to know your characters. And you can get to care about them. Mm -hmm. That's the type of show I like. I don't like busy shows. I don't like books with lots of characters. I don't want to feel like I need to create an infographic in order to keep track of everything that's going on in a show. Yeah, it, it feels unless it's of, Mr. Robot. <laughs> it feels very, very strange to now have to watch or feel like I have to watch um, a television show with um, in front of my computer, number one, instead of like, you know, sitting on my couch or whatever. Um, but I have to watch a television show with one tab dedicated to Wikipedia, um, where mm -hmm. I can click around and try to get background information. Um, whereas before, I mean, you know, in the early days of the internet, you would really only get this from like Mighty Big TV, or if you go back even farther, um, like Usenet discussions about TV shows, where you can do those kind of geeky sort of deep dives. And it's almost as if... Um, people who are creating television for the modern audience. It's like you were saying earlier, um, it's the Berlantiverse. It's because you're on the CW, they have certain expectations for how they are going to do storytelling on the show. And the way that they're going to do storytelling on the show is to try to build up all these ships that will drive all of the the fandom that, you know, make the fans go extremely crazy and keep them mm -hmm. really engaged um, and keep shows on for years and years and years, even, I'm going to say this about Supernatural, even long past the time that they should be on the air. Um, but th that's the kind of stuff that they build their, they build their storylines around. And if you're not that kind of person who does that kind of extreme fanishness or dis or exhibits that kind of extreme fanishness where um you know you go and you dissect every single little plot point um ad nauseum every week or several times a week you get lost really really easily like um you know my 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 partner um hosts a doctor who podcast and he's been doing it for years and you know the kinds of things that they talk about on that podcast Somebody like me, who's a casual Whovian at best, just gets completely lost because they're talking about details that somebody like me, when you have a show that's as old as Doctor Who, I don't have a hope in you know where to know that I'm ever going to be able to catch up. But it's almost like they're writing shows like Riverdale now to where you have to have all of that kind of background knowledge because they're not going to spend any time over the course of the show to do all of that due diligence for the background, to do all of that exposition. They're completely cutting out exposition for to try to make room for the story, but the stories aren't deep enough or polished enough, and they're missing something very, very crucial to the enjoyment of television and, to, and how you create fans, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's, I don't, I'm, okay, so they've been picked up for season two. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're going to order more episodes. Um, I don't know. Maybe they won't order more episodes since it seems like their viewership is going down. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I might have to check out the Riverdale live tweet next week and see what 
people are saying. Because when I was on there a, a bit, they seem excited. There are um, lots of people who really want Veronica and Archie to be a couple, which is like, I don't even, I can't even imagine that. Like, I don't even want that anymore. I don't, mm-hmm. and I think that's just because I don't like Archie yeah. so much. Um, but they, they really seem to like it. So I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to be on the, the Riverdale hashtag and really see what, what folks are saying about this show and, and see, um, you know, is it just us who are tired of it? You will um, definitely be taking one for the team if you wait into that hashtag because I can't deal with it. <laughs> That's why that's why I usually don't, but you know, I think Jughead Jonesing does the, the hashtag sometimes. So and I think we so nerdy um live tweets it. Um I think Steph is on there sometimes. So there's some some quality folks on there live tweeting with the Riverdale hashtag. So I'll be saved by them. Okay. I'll be saved by them. But I also speaking of Twitter, I fell into um what is Betty's real name um the actress who plays betty lily is her name lily reinhardt lily reinhardt i accidentally fell into lily reinhardt's twitter feed and she is hilarious really she is snarky she's hilarious some people were trying to like body shame her and she went after them um i fell into cole sprouse's twitter um timeline he's funny and it's like i wish they could bring some of that into the show that would be much more interesting to me. Um, you know, KJ Appa, um, the guy who plays Joaquin, all funny, really funny on Twitter. But, you know, you have to do, you have to work with what's put in front of you. But their um, energy is just so much better in real life than on the show. All right, I'll take your word for it. Oh, I think- speaking of like behind the scenes and following people... Um, you were talking mm-hmm. about Lily Reinhardt. I, Ashley Murray, and this is going to dovetail probably nicely. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, kind no, of, no. But um, we were talking about, um, we, we, we will be talking about the cast of Riverdale and other roles. Um, and so I was digging around on Wikipedia as I want to do. And Ashley Murray, who plays Josie, do you know how old she is? How old? She's 30. No. Yes. Way. I mean, unless Wikipedia is a lie, which is a possibility. She's it can 30. Be. It could be. It could be. But wow. She is like the, she is definitely the oldest kid, quote unquote, on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was stunned. I was like, that has got to be a lie. Um, and I started digging around because talking about the cast of Riverdale and other shows, um, uh, Netflix in Canada. I don't know if it's different. In the, well, it is different in the United States, but I don't know if you have this. There's this movie called, let me put my glasses on so I can see what the name of it is. It's called Deidre and Lainey Rob a Train. Um, and Ashley Murray and this other actress whose name escapes me right now. I think they play, um, they play sisters um, who sort of run afoul of the law. Um, they used to do sort of little petty crimes to try to make money for themselves. Um, and they end up robbing a train that comes through their town. Um, it's, it's billed as a comedy. I haven't seen it yet, but it comes up every so often whenever I watch an episode of Riverdale on Netflix to rewatch. Um, I do get it showing up in my list of recommended shows. So I don't know if it's uh, on U.S. Netflix, but it might be something worth checking out. Um, and yeah. when was it, when was it, um, produced or when did it, it come out? It was produced out? this year. Um, it premiered at the, 
I want to say the Toronto Film Festival. Um, mm -hmm. It might actually be, I mean, I'm sitting in front of a computer. I can look it up right now. Hold on. Keep talking. Okay, so we are going to talk about where have I seen you before mm -hmm. for um, the cast of Riverdale. So we know there's the obvious folks like Skeet Ulrich, um, Luke Perry, of course, of 90210. And then mm -hmm. he was in another show, like a post-apocalyptic show. I think it was on FX. Um, and where did I see Alice Cooper? I was watching 20? something this week. But no, she was no, on something recently. She, what was I watching? Oh, I watched so much stuff. I think it was, geez, was it Murdoch Mysteries? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been Murdoch Mysteries. Uh, going back to Deidre and Lainey Robert Train, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January of this year and premiered on Netflix in 2017. So now I'm going to figure out okay. where, um, where you saw, what's your name? Um, Oh God, where's my brain? My brain is so terrible. Like Matchin. Yeah, Macon. Um, Macon mm -hmm. Amick. She has been in, where did you see her recently? Uh, she was on American Horror Story, which I can't watch because it's too violent for me. So, Oh, I can't watch that. I, I was trying to watch that like the first season and I was in the kitchen cooking and I was afraid and I was, and then my kids came home. I'm like, there's no way I can watch this while my children are in the house. <laughs> And I was like, no. I was like, my black mama would not want me to watch this. <laughs> this, this, this um, apparently, she was also on um, Gossip Girl. She was in Californication. She was in uh, she was in a show, a, a, a short-lived show called The Witches of East End. Um, oh, I remember that show. Yeah. So maybe it that's wasn't. I'm going to have to think about it. It was. I've been watching so much, like in passing. Maybe it was an episode of Monk. Because hmm. I've been watching a lot of Monk episodes. It, so it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I think that Riverdale has done a good job with getting some quality cast members. Mm -hmm. So who have, you know, um, nice work behind them. Cole Sprouse, of course. I think he has been doing an excellent job he on the been. show. Even though I don't you care know, about we, hashtag bughead, but yeah, he's been doing a good job. No, no, no. I've we never got to talk about that episode um, that was Jughead focused. But the last scene between Skeet and Jughead when they were both crying and they were like promising things, I was like, man, this is the best scene of the whole series as far as acting mm -hmm. to me. It was just so believable, and it's nice to see Skeet back on TV. Um, he has aged incredibly well, and I like the scenes that he's in because he just feels so professional mm -hmm. and so accomplished in his acting ability. You just like him. I do. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do. Uh, um, I had a kind of a... I don't know if we were going to talk about uh, people of color. It kind of, it's kind of like where have I seen you before slash people of color. But um, uh -huh. another thing I watched this week because 
apparently watching TV is the only thing I'm capable of doing, or watching Netflix rather. Um, I watched the Netflix, Netflix, Le Netflix, that's what they call it in Quebec, uh, the Netflix series, um, 13 Reasons Why, which is based on the book of the same name by Jay mm-hmm. Asher. It's about a girl in uh, high school and who commits suicide at the beginning of her junior year. And to in, in, in lieu of leaving a suicide note, she records these 13 cassette tapes. Um, and the first person who gets the cassette tape is supposed to pass it on to the next person, so on and so on and so on, until they get to the 13th person um, who is implicated in why she committed suicide. And um, Ross Butler, who plays Reggie on Riverdale, mm-hmm. he plays one of the kids who um, commits, well, not commits suicide. He plays one of the kids who's implicated in this character's death. And we get to see more of him in this <laughs> this series than we've ever seen of Reggie in Riverdale. And I, I kind of have a new appreciation for him because... Um, if you if you go back and you read interviews that he's been doing lately, and he's been doing quite a few because of 13 Reasons Why debuting um, at the end of last week, um, he's he's been doing a lot of talking about how somebody who looks like he does, um, who reads as Asian, even though one of his parents is, is of the Caucasian persuasion, but somebody mm-hmm. who obviously reads as Asian, but who's so big and physical, how he basically had to tell his agents don't to not send him out for Asian roles because it just doesn't work for somebody who looks like he does. And yet at the same time, he's really, really conscious of the fact that because he doesn't look like quote unquote, typical Asian actors, and he doesn't tend to get cast in the kinds of roles that quote unquote, typical Asian actors get to get to be cast in he's kind of he's really thoughtful but very very careful when talking about the role of race and in his career Um, he's very very conscious of the fact that he's he has privileges and benefits that other people don't get Um, Mm -hmm. and he's also really conscious of the fact that because he looks the way he does he hopes that people will start to see rather than just looking from some six foot three, 180, however much he weighs guy and look uh, who, who happens to be Asian. Maybe it'll get people to look at, you know, other Asian actors in non-traditional roles, regardless of whether because they're big or because they're very physical actors, but just to say, Hey, why couldn't this, character be this way why couldn't this character um look like this or act like this so um if you get an opportunity to go back and do some googling or whatever your preferred search engine is to read some of his recent interviews it's a really really good read he's a really thoughtful guy that's cool and i know a lot of people are talking about is it called 13 reasons or 13 clues or 13 reasons why 13 reasons why it's come up on my netflix queue and I've seen a lot of people talking, tweeting about it. And, um, you know, I'm a little, now that you told me Ross is in it, it makes me want to see it more because, you know, the few episodes he's been in and I've been on his Twitter, his Twitter feed and, and things. And I agree. He does seem like a thoughtful actor. Um, it would be nice to see him in another role where you actually get to see him. I am a little bit reticent to, 
watch it because it is suicide focused and just because of my real life job, I usually try to use TV as an escape from that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I might check it out. I might check it out. Yeah, I, I mean, um, you could try to read the book, but the they're, they've really expanded upon the book from uh, mm -hmm. in the series. Um, and it's pretty dark. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty dark. I can't read more than 140 characters at a time now. <laughs> <laughs> people, at work, people at work are like, what do you read? I'm like, Twitter. Twitter and young adult novels, basically. I can, I love a good young adult novel because it's un, not that this isn't always true. It's like, it's simpler. It's purer a lot of times. Yeah. And that I don't want the adult stuff because it's like, I live that. I need something a little bit gentler for my soul mm -hmm. if I'm going to read. So, yeah. But I haven't, I can't tell you the last time I read a book. It's really sad. Part of my problem is, is if I read a book, I read the entire book in one setting. Mm, yeah. And I, I just can't do that in my life anymore. But we need to move on. We need to wrap it up. Yep. So people of color, people of color, um, we had Valerie, Veronica, Hermione, and there was an Asian couple on the board. I noticed that. It's like all these white people. And look, over in the corner. <laughs> exactly. I was Because at first I thought, are these all Blossom relations? Do they have Asian relations? Wouldn't that thought, be interesting? It's so interesting. Maybe that's why Reggie Mantle was on the murder <gasps> board. Oh, my God. Did we just uncover something? <laughs> I think we did. Oh my God. And, and you know what? I also wondered, there doesn't seem to be any other redheads in that town except for the Blossoms mm -hmm. and Archie it's and his mom. It's inbreeding. So maybe, maybe Molly Ringwald is a Blossom. Maybe. Da, da, da. Girl, I like it. <laughs> okay. So those are really the only people of color. We haven't seen Josie in a few episodes. We haven't seen Mayor Givens in a few episodes. And now that so Valerie's I'm, been kicked to the curb, we may not see her much anymore either. I loved how she broke up with Archie. Me like she too. just didn't have a care in the world. <laughs> like it was like, this isn't, she can't, she can't even, be, even be bothered. She couldn't even be bothered to, to remove both her headphones. That was great. I know. And Archie's face. I loved his face when she broke up with him. Like, he was so surprised. <laughs> Honey, please, I need to take lessons. <laughs> okay. So here's our last thing. Who do we think killed Jason Blossom? Has anything changed from you for last week? Or do you even care anymore? I don't care. I really don't care, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> okay. Well, I still kind of care, and I'm changing my answer to Cheryl Blossom. Really? I think, she, yes. Um, you kind of hinted at it when you talked about Archie kind of being the stand-in for Jason and kind of her, um, I don't want to say rage, but her anger towards Jason for leaving. Mm -hmm. The You know, that scene with her in the picture and you see her with her red pen scribbling out Archie's face and then you know, she pulls it together really quickly to tell Polly goodnight. And then she scribbles out Polly's face as well. Hmm. So first of all, you have to think, why is she angry with Polly? Polly's having her son, her brother's children. But I would assume that she's angry with Polly for taking Jason from her because essentially that's what Polly did. For sure. Um, and, and now Archie, another redheaded man, has rejected her. And if... Cheryl and Jason are as close as they have portrayed them to be. 
I could see Jason calling Cheryl saying, you know, Polly never showed up. Can you come get me? Can you meet me somewhere? And her anger spilling over and, you know, something happening. So the whole thing that throws it off is the shot in the forehead. It's like, I can't imagine her shooting him. I can imagine her tying him up. I can imagine her beating him, but I can't imagine her shooting him. They're probably the going to They're probably going to pass it off as an accident. I think that they will I think that maybe the Blossoms even know she did it and they're trying to protect her hmm. um as well, maybe through Skeet or FP. <laughs> You know, the only thing that I've been focused on, like, with respect to Cheryl and kind of actually almost all the women on the show, but specifically Cheryl, is how many spider brooches does she have? Those brooches are going to mean something. They have to mean something. And I almost want to I almost want to just spend like take a couple of take a week off or something and just really just go over with a fine tooth comb to figure out what the significance of the brooches are on the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it has to mean something. Yes. They're so technical. They mean what they do. Um, but she fluctuates there was between the... cherries and spiders, but mm-hmm. she seems to only wear the cherry when... I have to go back and look. But she's always wearing the spider when she's being kind of... She's either playing the victim or... Um, she is kind of plotting for revenge. That's the only time she seems to wear the spider. And I was kind of, I'm like, is that a black widow spider? Like what type of spider? You're, you're absolutely right. It would be nice to just to go through and look at her um, costuming, looking at her outfits. I loved her outfit in the tree tapping ceremony. Mm-hmm. I loved her cape. Um, I loved the tights. I loved the skirt. I, I, I love that outfit. I would wear that. <laughs> I would wear that inappropriately short skirt to work (laughs) and listen to my mother say, can you bend over in that skirt? And I would say, no, a lady never bends over mother. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to go with Cheryl Blossom because this week she kind of went off the deep end and she's good at acting. She's good at putting up fronts. And maybe she was telling the truth that second episode when she said, you found out I I did it Mm -hmm. or whatever. Maybe. So I'm going to go back to that because it's always the person you least suspect. Okay. Um, Next week, it's Jughead's birthday party. Molly Ringwall shows up. I am always here for that redheaded woman. So let us sign off. Um, You can find us. You can find this podcast um, at through at Brothers Comics, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at C. Talene, and you can find Skeskily. Where can they find you? On Twitter at Skeskily. All right. And so, you know, it'd be great if you guys tweet it to us. Let us know what you think about the show. Are you loving it? Are you hating it? Who do you think did it? So give us a tweet. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, Bye. it'd be nice to get some some feedback. Yeah. See you next week, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.